0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of NoFilterSportsPodcast.com, the second show we've done without the founder of this program, Eli Zerath. This is Bob Page, along with Danny McClain, along with Brandon McAfee at the controls, as always. Coming up later, special guest for you, one of the greatest players in Michigan football history, and that would be now Dr. Billy Taylor. So when, when we started this show exactly two years ago this month... Is that uh, right? Yes, sir. January of 2020, the horrible oh. year of 2020,
1: 2019,
0: 20, uh, 2019. Yeah, you're thinking well, I'm a little about today. But at any rate, the three of us made a conscious decision, even though essentially we kind of agree on most uh, political and social issues that we were not going to discuss politics or religion on this show. The three of us felt it was too off putting. We wanted to respect everybody's differences. We wanted to respect everybody on the political spectrum. And so we wanted to keep this to sports. And I think we've done, for the most part, a very good job of doing just that. But, Denny, when you look at what happened Wednesday, Wednesday, in our nation's capital, it would be foolish just to start talking about sports today. Yeah. It as though be. everything were right in our country and everything were right in the world. So other than the obvious, oh, what a disgrace it was, and oh, well, what a shame it was. I mean, you know, what we have to say something. So go yeah, ahead let, lead it off. Let me start. Um, first of all, they were invading
2: the people's house, as they call it. Uh, this was a planned attack. I don't think there's any question about it. I mean, they had 50 arrests, four dead. Uh,
0: three of them died by natural causes. Boy, that's hard to believe, isn't it? I and, haven't seen the you know, again, this is Thursday morning as we as we record yeah. this. And I are they implying that these it was so exciting somebody had a heart attack? We don't know that yet. Well, we, we know, know how this woman was yet. killed. No. She was a right wing extremist, a conspiracy theorist, and a veteran of the US military who actually had talked openly about this. Yeah, 14 years in the Air Force and uh
2: She got just uh, just just below the face. She got hit and uh, bled out, apparently, even before they left the Capitol. Um, You know, it's what got shot by a police officer. Right. From what we understand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What really got my attention was all of this. You know, we didn't realize at first that people were coming through windows. People were coming through doors. They were getting in any way they could. Ah, uh, yet it appeared to be that police, the local police, it's really the Capitol police, where were they? I mean, there were very few people when this thing first started out. And what I was afraid of is that somebody was coming in that room and they were gonna get either get the vice president, grab him,
0: kidnap him, kill him, or the speaker of that? Well, House. they wouldn't kill Mike Pence. I mean, come on, he's on their side, right? Listen, not the don't side know. of the rioters, Bob, but Republican. Bob, Republican. Bob yeah. we
2: don't even know who everybody's attached to. I mean, that's that's half the problem. When you get into a brawl, you know, you know what they say: bring a gun. Don't don't bring a knife. And
0: and, and many of them obviously did. I was telling people uh, privately, friends of mine, like you, you know, and other people for the last week or two, that when you when you looked at Mr. Trump calling for this rally, there was no question in my mind that some kind of riot would occur and that the president of the United States was at that point in time guilty of inciting to riot. Now, that is mind numbing. It's uh, and of course, I don't know, man. I'm up early this morning. You know, I don't I don't listen to talk shows on the radio, and I don't watch talk shows on TV. No, but I was man. up real early, 4 o'clock this morning, and I got the TV on, and I watched CNN and I watched Fox News, both, just to see how the left and the right were treating this. And I saw a lot of sanity, and I saw people on both sides of the aisle, yep. people in both parties saying this is an utter disgrace, saying the things that had to be said in the wake of this. And yes. now we move on, and now we see... What will happen, if anything, in our court system to Mr. Trump? Is it conceivable he could be prosecuted for inciting to riot? I don't know. And many other people well, would say he I, could be prosecuted for other offenses. I, he's suggest to you, I suggest to you
2: he could be, if he had any longer term to go, uh, he would probably be impeached. They
0: would attempt an, an impeaching with him. We're already talking about the, invoking the 25th Amendment. I know to that. Move I know that. Office, but there's not it. enough time to do that. They, and the thing that stuck in my craw and stuck in everybody's craw, and that includes Republicans, and that includes many of you people out there who did vote for Mr. Trump, was the message he gave from the Rose Garden to those rioters when he said, quote, we love you, end quote. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, I, I still
2: can't get over the emptiness of the police there weren't there was nobody there it took them an hour and a half to get the national guard there um i don't know i don't know what they do i don't know how they're going to fix this but i know one thing whatever happened when this thing was invaded by these guys and these people uh it it was a good thing. It wound up being a good thing because everything kind of settled down and they moved through the, the program and they got finally through with it about midnight last night. Um, right, you, I, I you're
0: talking about finally getting on with the business of right, Congress, which was absolutely. completed late Wednesday night. Nothing. Well, yeah, well they nothing started, good eight, came out of this. Though. They
2: started at eight o'clock yeah. and they got through a little after midnight, right. but um, you know, I, I mean, what is, Personally, no, I'm looking for a personal, not not an opinion, just a personal thing. What's your reaction to all of this? Which way would you go? How would you fix it? Is there any way to fix it?
0: I think things are going to be fine. I I, I think our government is going to return uh, to normalcy, to use the the term that FDR coined uh, back in the 40s. I think that um, uh, points have been made by people, again, in both parties. This is not the way our country works. Uh, we're not going to have this happen again. You'll never see anything like this happen again. People will be punished. We have video of the perpetrators of the thugs in Washington doing what they did. They will be punished to the fullest extent of the law. There will be prison sentences. And as a nation united, we go on. Now, you know, I I think that except for the, the most extreme right wingers in Congress, that the Republicans will now it'll now be their turn to be the proverbial loyal minority. And that's how our great nation works. That's right. One party has power. The other party is in the loyal minority. And we move forward with this country. Well, I'll tell you this. If they're looking for what's going to be
2: next, uh, and those they determine for a lot of these people that they were acting in the idea of sedition, then the bottom line is going to be, hey, you're going to do 20 years. You're going to do sedition is twenty years on the books. Now they can negotiate that down, but I mean twenty years is what it is. Can't, you, can't
0: look, you see law, lawyers are held in such in such disdain yeah. by the general public anyway? Can't you see some lawyers saying, "But your honor, my <laughs> client was yeah. merely... Yeah, what was your client merely doing? He was you just know, watching like, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly right. All right, okay. I mean, look, let's okay. There's people no, tuning in let let here me to listen to the sports. We I'm want not, to talk about. Are you done yet? yet? I'm not right. finished yet.
2: Well, finish up. Two things. One, uh, listen, I sit here and I listen to you ramble and ramble and ramble, and you got to listen to me once in a while. I never
0: ramble, and I always listen to you. Oh, my God. Uh, did and they, by the way, Brandon hasn't said his piece yet either. He'll probably want to add something. Did the NBA or anybody else have to
2: play last night?
1: Yeah, of course. It was a big story with the Pistons and the, was it the box? They, at the tip off, they took a knee. Yeah
2: what no, why why would they have to play well, you know, some
0: people are saying that they shouldn't have played they should right. have canceled the entire slate of games in the NBA last night in college basketball I'm certainly glad they didn't because I really enjoyed the Michigan game on Wednesday night so I I, I don't I don't what do, I don't know I I, I think the, I think it was fine to go ahead and play the games last but night I, I got a question coming
2: now after laying all this out why did the players protest I'm not sure I don't have the answer for that. Why did they? Did
0: they thought die? there was. They thought there got was. down on their knees. Some right. stood. They thought there was a racist element to this. Oh, they thought they? that the authorities in Washington went relatively easy on this crowd of, let's face it, exclusively white, far right wing creeps, yeah, yeah. as opposed to had the demonstration been fomented by. Either African Americans or other people who were in in league with anti-fata or uh, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, whatever that is, it's kind of an amorphous thing. So they they felt that there was disparity there, and they protested that, and they protested the fact that these people were rioting to begin with in support of a right winger, Donald Trump and in support of right-wing causes. So they made their point, they played the games. I'm okay with it. Are you not okay with that, Danny? Do you think they should have canceled the games, Brandon? What do you think?
2: Oh, no, I don't have an opinion whether they should have canceled. I I just was surprised that they did play.
0: Brandon?
1: Well, we saw what the we saw games canceled during, you know, some of the riots over the in sure. protests over the summertime. I didn't even really honestly think about that. I didn't think about the aspect I didn't either. of sports. No. And, you know, I didn't either. So I, I have no idea.
0: Right, so, what people are thinking about now is this surfeit of football games coming up this weekend. I'll ask you guys straight up. We got three playoff games, Saturday and Sunday. A show of hands from the two of you. Who watching all three of them? I'm going to try. You're going to watch all six games, all three games oh, each day. Boy, I don't know if they'll at least do that. be on, Danny on the TV. is too. They'll and at I'm least be try. on in
1: the background because I, <clears throat> I, 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 I don't know. I think it's a it, it's a nice way of, you know, when you have three back to back to back, and this time, unlike you know a couple weeks ago, they're all going to be televised. You don't have to go through any right. kind of Amazon Prime. It's not going to be tricky. And <laughs> even though the the fantasy season is over, this is when it gets good for me. This is the this yep. is the playoffs. This is when everybody puts it out on the line. <laughs> And um, I'm expecting some upsets. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, I I, you know.
0: Okay. Fine. We'll get into that in just a second. All I'll say is this: regular listeners know I never miss a Michigan or Michigan State game. So in the fall, that's my Saturday. I never miss a New York Giants or New York Jets game. In the fall, that's my Sunday. If if the FLS are on, I'm going to try to watch them. If there's a
1: great college
0: game on Ohio State versus Notre Dame on Saturday night, I got to. I go bug-eyed, man. I can't watch all this football. I, I I gotta pick and choose what games now this weekend am I not gonna watch. Let, let let's let's go through and see what you guys think about this. As we all know the Packers and the Chiefs get buys. Okay. Now out of love and respect for my Chicago native co-host, Dennis Dale McLean, yes, we're gonna start with the one game that matters most to him. That is in the NFC, New Orleans versus his beloved Chicago Bears. What do you think about that, Denny? I'm in trouble. <laughs> that sums it up. How about why, how about the Polish kid, as you call it. the Polish kid, not going to come through for you? Can't they
2: just <laughs> play, let us play a garbage team get by the first
0: round? <laughs> well, the Bears finished eight and eight. You don't know, deserve to play a garbage team. You know why, Danny? Because the Bears are a garbage team. Take that and put in your. Uh, they Bob,
2: they've been playing really good the last four or five games. Yeah, they have.
1: I'm telling you, yeah, this is have. this is the game here that I feel has the highest potential for an upset. This is one really. That, really? This is the one that people are looking at, and they go, "Oh, geez, Drew Brees and Elvin Kamara—they're gonna—they're gonna tear through the Bears." But as you just stated, Denny, the Bears have the benefit of kind of coming in a little hot. They've been playing you know. definitely better the second half of the season than they did the first half of the season. And for some reason, the New Orleans Saints have been such a fantastic team over the last two, three, four years, but they always seem to blow it in the playoffs. Yep. And I, I just don't think that Drew Brees is healthy. And I don't think that he's going to be able to pull something out of his. I don't know. I just have a feeling that the Bears are going to shock the world. And this is my, this is the one that I think is going to be the upset. That's
3: music know to the
2: this, you know, the irony of this, I think Drew Brees has got more yards offensively than any quarterback in history. He just went by somebody and he's number one sitting at the top of the pole right now. Uh, and, and you're right about it. Every time they get close to going, they either make a mistake, fumble the ball, interception. But they always run into a bridge, and the bridge has no pavement on it. So. Well, yeah,
1: right now, Breeze and Brady are the ones that are going back yeah. and forth throughout uh, You know, this whole season. They've been competing in most touchdowns in the career as well as the yep. most passing yards. It's right around 80,000, but it's still – that's, that's 9,000 more than Peyton Manning. So those yeah. two are definitely cementing yeah. themselves. Are, oh,
0: that's your hometown team, Danny. Brandon and I have a hometown team. And We will gladly trade you our hometown team for your hometown team. You want to take the FLS instead? Don't answer that question. Oh, that's the late game. Thank on God Sunday they're not playing. Yeah, the late game on Saturday. And again, I'm trying to. Figure out, am I going to watch this game? I don't think so. I don't care. Seattle's playing the Rams. Now, how about this? What What on earth is the Washington Redskins rookie? Son, you're a rookie. Washington Defensive football team. Line star. Oh, sorry about that. Yes, you have to remind me. I saw Al Michaels make that mistake on the air last Sunday. And I said, oh, you knew this would happen to me eventually. I just call him Washington now. So what was he thinking by saying, I want Tom? Well, now, the former Ohio State All-American is going to get Tom, isn't he? As Washington takes on Tampa Bay. Any comments on that one, boys? I'll watch that game. I like Brady. Oh, I like Brady. I mean, I, I think these are the kinds of
2: games that Brady wants to play in. I don't think Brady has, I, I know he competes at every level. Don't, don't misunderstand me, but you know what, when, when you're a real player and you're one of the leaders on the team, you want to take the next step. You want to be much better prepared than you ever were. You review everything, you touch everything, you go through everything and, uh, to come up with the best program that you can. And I think that's what he's all about. Just like the guys in the golf tour, the guys who want to play the Augusta, the U.S. Open, you know, the French Open, those great, big, huge tournaments they want to play in.
0: I right, want you guys to tell me what excites you here, okay? Because we start off on Saturday with Buffalo against Indy. The Steelers are playing the former Cleveland Clowns Sunday. Uh, uh, now the Cleveland Browns because they went eleven and five this year. We also got Tennessee against the Ravens. That's the first game that they're going to play on Sunday. I mean, it's a lot of football to watch. I, I, I mean, I guess it would help if I had a bet on these games, but I don't. Yeah, and I think a lot of this appeal is going to be too in point of fact gamblers a lot of people are going to bet on these games and they will be glued to the tube
2: well brandon i got to tell you something if, if uh, chicago wins uh, i'm sending you a big dinner for you and your wife
1: <laughs> hey don't get me wrong they can completely turn into the chicago yeah. bears and lose this no, one no, but in a, new, what, in a second what, you know i i always know that there's there's going to be that upset there, and yeah. i can see a couple of them i can see the titans I well, you know, I don't even know what the official line is of the Titans. I got Ravens. that. Wait, wait,
0: wait, wait! You know, I didn't want to bore everybody by reading these lines, but I should have known that I wouldn't bore Denny McClain and I wouldn't bore you. Well, so you, you want to know the line on the Titans, Baltimore? Because I assumed I assumed ra- that the Ravens the, are, are a favored. Four and a half points. The over under is fifty four point
1: five. Okay, and you see, with with the, with that team, I am really really liking Mike Vrabel as a coach. I just think that he has a. Uh, he has something going on with that with that Tennessee Titans team. Sure they have Derrick Henry, but I wasn't expecting them to succeed under Ryan Tannenhill like they have no Uh,
0: i wasn't either and you know the only thing you know what i like you know what i really like i like the schadenfreude games and if you don't know that's a german word that means the delight in the suffering of others so sitting here as i am in my home in west palm beach where yes it's going up to 75 at a sunny day i like the snow games i like to watch them suffer up north and play in the snow so i'm looking forward to the weather reports on these games this weekend that should be fun well uh, so, that, this it, uh, <laughs> so this is it, boys. So this is it. You are from Detroit. You know what I'm talking about. We'll start so this is the, it.
2: Start with one the more. first game again. So I'm going to take. Uh, I mean, if I'm gambling, I'm going to play New
0: Orleans. Well, Folks, we want to tell you this. And I am the one to tell you. And I have been telling you for a long time about Luke Nowacki. Of Pinnacle Wealth Strategies. We want you to let Luke help you plan for your future family obligations and your own retirements. You can be like me, sitting in my ass down here in West Palm Beach. He's got a great track record of of success. Luke's got decades of experience, and this is going to enable him to create a custom solution for you or your business. Here's his number, 248-663- 4748. It doesn't cost you anything to meet with him. So you're going to call Luke Nowacki. And if you feel comfortable with what he tells you, let him do his thing. He's going to lay out a plan that fits your individual needs. He's ethical. He's knowledgeable. He's caring. He's Luke Nowacki a Pinnacle Well Strategies. Again, it's 248-663-4748. And his services are offered through Royal Alliance Associates And we want to say a big thank you, not just to Luke, but to Hall Financial for being a great supporter of this show and all the shows on Drew Lane's Red Shovel Network. We've also been telling you for some time now that mortgage interest rates are currently in the twos, the twos. So call today if you've got a mortgage and find out how much refinancing your mortgage could save you every month. You go to our webpage, NoFilterSportsPodcast.com. You'll see the Hall Financial link right there. You click it to get started, or you can call them. And how about this for an easy number to remember, 248-308-5000. Find out how quick and easy the Hall process is. And make sure you tell them that No Filter Sports Podcast with Eli Zerrett, Danny McLean, and Bob Page sent you. You're listening to the No Filter Sports Podcast. Danny, this is it. Everything's on the line, right? Well, it is. Day to day. A trip to the Super Bowl. That's right. Huge money. So everybody is totally concentrating on football and all the preparations for this weekend. Not. There are, of course, 21st century sports knuckleheads that we always tell you about. How about Brown's left tackle, Jedrick Willis Jr. And a key wide receiver for this team, Rashard Higgins. They both were cited by the police for drag racing Tuesday night, the Tuesday before the game. On Tuesday evening, Higgins then posted on Twitter that his, quote, foot slipped in regards to the drag racing citation. Then he deleted the tweet. He also posted, and I'm quoting, he was trying to get away from COVID-19. He deleted that tweet, too. You Remember Bobby Phils, you guys? Bobby yeah. Fills was a very good NBA off guard. In 2000, Bobby Fills was killed drag racing with teammate David Wesley, like these two jerks know anything about that or anything about sports. I I, I just don't understand it. And, And how about this off the field? Joe Judge has ripped the Eagles and coach Doug Peterson for decisions made in the fourth quarter of Sunday night's loss to Washington that kept the Giants out of the playoffs. He said it would be disrespectful to his players in the NFL if the Giants went out and didn't try to compete for 60 minutes to win. And you know what this is about. Peterson put third-string quarterback Nate Sudfeld out of Indiana into the game in the fourth quarter. It's a three-point game. He insisted he was coaching to win, and said his decision making wasn't influenced by draft positioning this coming April. So, Denny, mm. you and I have talked here about tanking, and we laugh at people who say a professional athlete would deliberately lose a game so his team might draft a better college player. Well, take somebody's job. I understand,
2: and and, and th- this is what it's all about. You know, they can say whatever they want. I believe they tank. They tank from time to time. But the way they tank, they try to hide it, obviously, and and most of us catch it when it happens. The third-string quarterback becomes the quarterback all of a sudden in late in the third period, early in the fourth period. That's how they do it. That's how they've been getting away with it for
0: years. Yes. So uh, it starts with the coaches, the owners, and maybe the owner or the general manager might telecoach. Might telecoach. Put this guy in. Put that, the players themselves aren't going to tag. And that, and that, I mean, if you don't believe Denny and me about this, Peterson's own players were furious with him. Did you see this? Two Philadelphia defenders had to be held back from confronting their own coach, according to the Philadelphia Inquirer this week. Mm-hmm. And that move was also immediately rebuked by many other former Eagles players, analysts, and everybody else. So here's what you're trying to do. Were the Eagles really purposely throwing the game in order to secure The sixth pick instead of, say, the ninth in the NFL draft, it's a crapshoot. The FF, the FLs are going to pick seventh this year. Will they get a better player than somebody else will get picking 10th in the opening round? And since they are the FLs, will they get a player who'll be any good at all? As for Joe Judge, another of Bill Belichick's assistants, who so far is bombing as an NFL head coach. Shut up, Joe. You were five (laughs) and 10 going into the Dallas game. And whose fault was that? (laughs) <laughs> you know, a
2: lot of it's got to do with the talent that uh, they acquire when they take these jobs. I mean, they're going to have to start learning more about these guys before they take these jobs. By well, the know, way, uh, you know. Don Brown, who was a defensive genius yeah. at the uh, University of Michigan, uh, yeah. when he got fired a couple of weeks ago, he didn't stay unemployed very long. He's now working for the univer- uh, Arizona
0: Right. Well, um, one of Harbaugh's assistants became the head coach out there. Yeah. And since you, since you mentioned uh, Don Brown yeah. uh, on the last show, you and I took for granted all of the media reports that said Harbaugh was coming out of a meeting on Tuesday. He would ironed it out. Brandon went ape. You know what here over the fact apparently that Harbaugh was signing a six year extension. And then guess yeah, what? I just then it And then silence and then silence. So as we record this Thursday morning, there's been no announcement. There's been no meeting that we know of. There's I been read, no news that we know of. I read an article this morning that said he's going to get a contract through 2026.
1: Well, yeah, that's been the speculation. But, for but the That's last been the up. speculation.
0: But here's what I have heard. And this is from Ann Arbor Media. You know, a, a lot of our confers in the media in the Ann Arbor area. I mean, they're on top of this all the time. What they're saying is that there is an implicit, a tacit agreement between Ward Manuel and Harbaugh Jimmy, to save face on both counts, Jimmy, go out, talk to all the NFL teams. See if you can get a job you want in the National Football League. If you do, then we'll say it's a mutual decision. You left, and we we wish each other the best of luck. If you don't, then you stay at Michigan. You got another year to go on your contract anyway, and we see what we can do. I think that Ward Manuel, Brandon especially, may have floated this as a trial balloon six-year extension, and when he saw people like you and other Michigan fans and ex-Michigan Michigan players go nuts. But. Okay, you're not a Michigan fan. But when he saw everybody go nuts over a six-year extension for Harbaugh, he said, well, you know, I guess that's going to go over like a lead balloon, my trial balloon. I think if he walks
2: away, he makes more money than if he coaches this year, doesn't he? No,
0: he's going to make a lot of money next year. The buyout he's going is going to make a it, to make the money buyout this anyway, one but, but my yeah. point
2: is, I think they have to give him a ton of money for him to be let go.
1: The speculation yeah, but, right now that he wants either like the Jets' job or the Chargers' job, and that would be the best way that they could, you're right, mutually kind of agree, uh, agree to leave. And I just don't know. I, I can't see any of the uh, the Michigan loyal reacting Maybe. very calmly when he does Maybe. sign this extension because everybody's just sick and tired of him. They're just ready well, to the move players
2: on. players are leaving. The players are leaving. Everybody sure
0: appears
2: are. that they're getting in the portal all the time and everybody's going somewhere. Yeah. Uh, if that's not the biggest reason to to get rid of Jim, I can't think of one. The players don't want to play for him.
0: Well, he better go to San Diego, Brandon, because I've only been a member of the New York media since 1988 and covered the Jets and the Giants. And I will tell you that that's not a sexy hire by the New York Jets. And if he comes to New York, especially with some of the media dealings he's had in Ann Arbor, he's going to be destroyed by, by the New York media if he gets that job. So if I were Jimmy, take the weather. You were in San Diego before. You did a great job there in the college ranks. Go on back. Now, how about some positive news? you yeah. guys watch that Michigan-Minnesota game? I ho- I never miss a Michigan basketball game because they're too good now, and they're too much fun to watch. And yet we had a center jump to start the game at Ann Arbor with an electronic billboard flashing, get loud. Huh? <laughs> Nobody's at Chrysler. Well, who's going to get loud? Then they, then they said, no, the families are now allowed. So did they want 150 family members to get loud? I mean, who thinks about this stuff? Who dreams up this stuff? So this was Liam Robbins, of course, the Minnesota center. And he's a very good player yeah. versus Michigan's Hunter Dickinson, who is a great player. Michigan was only ahead 32-26 at the half. Second half was no contest whatsoever. Oh, Hunter had, oh, did you? Hunter had 14 in the first half. He quickly scored the first four points of the second half. I mean, this guy is just a great, talent um the the, the, the what you know, one of the most interesting things that happened in the second half as michigan just destroyed them yeah. was eli brooks collision when his tooth flew out and no. you could see it on the replay welcome to hockey eli you know they have a did you guys know they have a a, a podcast called spitting Chiclets? that's what they call it oh, no yeah, it's huge when your teeth are knocked out in hockey <laughs> and you could actually see him spitting the chiclet out under the court so this is the mid-second half of this game wednesday night they're playing a very good Minnesota team, 10-2, and two, number 16 in the national polls, and the Wolverines are up by 27. Stephen Bardo said, quote, Minnesota's road woes continue during the course of the broadcast. What difference does that make? They're no fans at the games. Home versus road. Doesn't matter anymore. The lead was 35 for Michigan with eight minutes left. They capped a 20 to nothing scoring run at the end of that. And Hunter finished with a career high 28 points. And you know, in playing this well in any sport, what do you want to do? You want to play. Penn State Saturday afternoon. Postponed.
2: Yeah. COVID all their team activities every team at Penn State boy they've had a rough year haven't they yeah, although yeah. everybody has but maybe more for them for some reason but man they they all of their teams are suspended right now because
0: of the covid again so 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 Danny Michigan playing as well as it has and you remember this from yeah. your baseball career i mean you went out and pitched a two hit shutout against somebody and you did that a lot you couldn't wait to get back out for your next start that's and right now they got to wait they got to wait 6 days to play they're gonna be home against Wisconsin on Tuesday night. Yeah, As for that Rutgers game against Michigan State this past Tuesday night, I want to talk about the start. You think TV isn't dictating starts of these games? Why would you start, start why would you start a game at nine o'clock in East Lansing in the dead of winter? Nine o'clock, that's when they started game. Be, was there a game before that? It doesn't yell on TV, sure there was, but there wasn't a game before in East Lansing. They that's made what, them I mean, play there that was game no at game in East Lansing at the same night. Yeah, He's my tight. guess was at your age, Denny, you had yeah. had your warm milk. You had already tucked yourself 99 and you didn't even see the Michigan State game because it started at nine. And the Michigan game started at 830, almost as bad again, just because of TV. TV. So I told you this is going to be a tough test, right? For yeah. Michigan State playing against yep. Rutgers. All right. So I lied. <laughs> you know, I mean, state didn't play well beginning of the game three turnovers in the first two minutes two by freshman point guard, AJ Hoggard, obviously Cassius Winston was going to be missed, but this much, you know, you figured foster lawyer just two years removed from being Mr. Basketball in the state of Michigan would move right in as a junior. He's just not big enough and he's not good enough. Hey, listen, I'm going
2: to let you know something. Yeah. Uh, in the beginning of the season, I said Michigan has got a better team than MSU, and everybody jumped up at me. Well, right did. now, what are they now? Ten and zero.
1: They are ten and zero. They're five and zero in the conference. They're number one. Meanwhile, Michigan State and Tom Izzo, they're eight and three, but they're two and three in the conference. So and who
0: said Michigan State was better than Michigan? Somebody I on did this show. I did. <laughs> no, so did. I lied. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So but I lied. I,
1: I wouldn't have been able to tell you ten games into the season that Michigan would be number one and Michigan State would be number ten in the Big Ten. Wow. Uh, so anyway, it was
0: only twenty eight, twenty two uh at halftime, but Rutgers I mean, this is so ridiculous. Rutgers missed its first six free throws of this game. Michigan State committed 14 turnovers in the first half alone. Rutgers was 0-8 three-point shooting in the first half alone. And you know what, boys? It's great that no fans were at that game. What a ripoff paying to see that garbage would have been. But the second half state started to pour it on behind Aaron Henry coming off a career high 27 at Nebraska. And this is the thing. Look, we love Tom, right? We love Tom, right? It's just his coaching that drives us crazy sometimes. So Aaron Henry drained two straight baseline jumpers, had 18 points that put Michigan state up by 11 timeout Rutgers. And then Tom takes him out at that point. Why? Why? Seven minutes into the second half was Aaron Henry tired. You milk a guy like that until he cools off. But he didn't do it. Didn't matter. State won 45 And now Purdue comes into East Lansing Friday night. And this team is led by, you guys know this, Purdue 7-5 and as we record this, 6-10 Trevion Williams out of Henry Ford Academy in Detroit. Mm. This kid is a bitch, man. And Michigan fans will tell you that, who watched him last year. So this is going to be a pretty interesting game to see. And they don't play each other till what, February? Yeah, I think you talked about that last yeah, show. Yeah. yeah. That's Pro basketball. Yeah. Denny, when I worked with Al Ackerman, a longtime favorite of yours, you loved Al. <laughs> 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 on, on Channel 7 in Detroit <laughs> in the late 70s. Remember this? Al came up with a pithy little catchphrase. He never referred to Detroit's NBA franchise on the air as anything but the PPs, pathetic Pistons. What else can happen to them? Number one draft choice Killian Hayes' rookie season came to a halt Monday night after the point guard suffered a labral tear in his right hip against the Bucks. This is a serious injury. Now Giannis, as we know, beats up on a lot of people, but he scored thirty points against the Pistons what in the first player. half. What a player. The first half of that game. Yeah, I know he finishes with forty-three. Now Brandon has been critical of Andre Drummond's game. I've been critical of the Pistons, on the other hand, for letting a great shot blocking, great defender, big man go like Drummond. Brandon, you think he would have gotten those points? Think Giannis would? Had Drummond still been with Detroit?
1: No, I had no faith in Andre Drummond. I had no faith in Andre Drummond. Well, I tell you what, Giannis wouldn't have
0: gotten 30 points in the first half if they'd had Drummond.
1: Yeah, I don't think that's true. You're talking about a back-to-back MVP in the NBA. That guy can put points up against anybody he wants. 30 points in the first half. Well, Uh, you know what? It happens, and Andre Drummond oh, yeah. wasn't going to stop it. I don't know why you're married to the guy. Move on. How's he doing no. in Cleveland? Are they first place? I, I honestly don't know.
0: I honestly don't know either. I haven't exactly followed him, nor do I follow the Cleveland cadaver leaders. I know Kevin loves her, though. Now, uh, to prove this was no fluke, They're four the Pistons and four. lost. What's that?
1: They're 4-4, four and four, but, okay. you know, the Pistons are 1-7. Well, what's seven. Detroit? <laughs> you know what Detroit is? One, one They're 1-7. Seven.
0: Seven. Yeah. They're 1-7. and seven out of the gate and to prove that the game monday night was no fluke they lost to milwaukee again wednesday but they held giannis this time just 25 points the next loss on the schedule for the pistons friday night at home against a six and two phoenix team and people been complaining about the pistons attendance downtown at little Caesars arena it would be under these circumstances hard to tell the difference between the people at a game were they allowed and the people who aren't there right now due to COVID-19. That's and true. let me ask you guys this. So after exposure to somebody who just tested positive for COVID, Kevin Durant is now in the midst of a seven-day quarantine. He's going to miss four games for the Nets, who are struggling under Stevie Nash at 4-4 four four. anyway. So with all this going on, you wonder about the integrity of any championship, any team, and any of our four sports might win. Did they win that championship just because the better teams may have been better than they were lost stars due to COVID? Sure. I mean, it all makes a difference,
2: doesn't it? Uh, You lose one of your stars, you've lost some effectiveness. I've always believed a star is worth two players. It gives you points and a half is what I always used to call it. And whether it was pitching, whether it was baseball, football, didn't make any difference. So that was my uh, stick for measuring if I was going to gamble on anything, although I never did bet baseball. Uh, And, you know, the only reason I didn't bet baseball, you know, the only reason. I didn't know a damn thing
0: about baseball.
2: <laughs> and that's hope, the truth.
0: I hope you're not telling the truth because you would have been suspended for life. You would have, yeah, but I never bet on baseball. Your buddy, Pete Rose had you bet on baseball. Did you no, actually? He didn't. Uh, and the, the other thing too, is right, let's not, oh, let's not open FBI, that can of worms.
2: When the FBI came to visit me, they looked everywhere, including up my, you know what? And uh, tried to find, and then they had, they had their press conference and said, he never, ever bet on baseball. So.
0: Well, I know you're not saying that Pete didn't bet on baseball. Oh, no, 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 no. It's, no. it's Pete, Pete Admitted, he did. It.
2: Yeah.
0: Right. I want to ask you uh, about, you know what? i ask you about gambling just a minute it, yeah. with respect to something that happened in college football. But I did want to mention this. Luka Doncic is getting a lot of publicity after yeah. a 113-100 road win Monday over the Rockets. This guy's amazing. He had season yes, highs, 33 points, 16 rebounds, and 11 assists. But I watched that game. And if you guys watch that game, too, you know who the star of that game was. It was former Michigan standout Tim Hardaway. What a show he put on. Came off the bench. He drained eight out of 3 three-point shots. He had 30 points, and it got to the point you heard one of the frustrated Houston announcers say, I'm quoting, when Tim Hardaway becomes available, the Rockets better sign him because that's <laughs> the only way to stop him. <laughs> on our last show, Denny, you mentioned Steph Curry's 62 points yep. that he scored the other night. Yeah. And you see this on Wednesday night. The Wizards underrated star Bradley Beal. I mean, if you don't follow basketball, how many people, average sports fans, even know that name, Bradley no, Beal? Don't. So Bradley Beal set a career-high 60 points against oh the Philadelphia 76ers. But Washington lost anyway. Is anybody to playing defense? Yeah, in this league. And it's all three-point shooting as well. Right
2: got yes all three points Uh, it's become very boring
0: and so what did bradley beal have to say for himself after scoring 60 in a losing cause i'm quoting him i'm pissed off i'm mad any of my career highs they've been in losses so i don't give a damn i just want to win end quote i want that guy on my team yeah i do too but the thing about it is he's
2: got to play every game just like he just like he played the night he, he scores 60 because they remember the losses a whole lot more than they remember the yeah. big shots in the in the fourth quarter. All
0: right, now, here's what I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. We saw the other day that Alabama wide receiver Devontae Smith yeah. became the first wide out to win the Heisman Trophy in 29 years. This yes, is the award did. they gave annually to the most famous quarterback or running back in America. Right. So what they said kind of interested me. Um, he wasn't even listed by odds makers as a favorite before the season started. So, I mean, I'm naive about this stuff. I guess you can bet on the Heisman Trophy. I don't know. You do it in sure. at Atlantic City or they Vegas. Do in, or, they do it in I the U.K. Know. So here's my question. That sounds kind of weird to me, as I said. Denny, what was the strangest thing you ever bet on? Oh, boy. I thought that might get you. I, I you, thought well. that might get you. I'm
1: going to give you a little chance to think about that. Yeah, you well, better I've, give me a show or two to think about I bet <laughs> on several different weird, odd Super Bowl. Oh, are you Bowl- a big better too? I didn't know. Like, well, what? No. like what, Brandon? Super Bowl prop bets. All um, oh, the prop bets. Yeah, 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 just dumb ones, like how long the national anthem's going to be, what the color of the Gatorade is. I've done a whole bunch of those just because, I don't know, it kind of yeah. makes a game a little bit more fun and exciting if you're actually looking forward to a trivial part of the game itself.
0: Bob, do you, do you he, know what the prop bets are? I don't really. I've never heard that term before. Okay. In, other words, in other words,
2: they they have bets up. On like the who board.
0: wins the coin flip, you mean, to start who the game? Who wins the coin like flip?
2: Yeah. How far will they kick the ball in the kickoff? You know, yeah. who will throw the first pass? Who will get the first interception? They all have those bets up on the board now. So
0: it uh, yeah. gives a guy plenty to do. Yeah. Folks, Um, I want to tell you that, as you know, Eli is not with us. Denny and I hope he's going to come back. Brandon hope he's going to co- hopes he's going to come back. We don't know. We he will. We he will. I, I don't know about that. I think he's still up in the tundra in Michigan right now. He's going to come down to Florida for at least a couple of weeks, and then I, I think he and Patty are going to come down together and bring their drive their dog down. Something we do every year. But when Eli comes back, we also hope. He's going to bring his sponsors with him, too, damn it. We already missed Dr. Yaldo, Starlink and Mercury, Power Home Solar and Feldman Auto, and we thank them for their support all the time that we've been doing this show. As you may know, there is a way you can help Denny and me and Brandon keep this thing going by donating to us. It's a common way to raise revenue. happens in podcasts everywhere. In our case, again, go to our website, nofiltersportspodcast.com. You will see a Donate button. Click it, and only if you can afford anything, Because times have been tough on a lot of you out there, and we understand and respect that. Just send, you know, I mean, whatever you can, whatever you feel like it, whenever you can. Eli is still handling the financial aspects of this show, such as they are. He'll get us the dough, and we will in turn really appreciate it. You're listening to the No Filter Sports Podcast. This is a pretty big story, potentially, I got uh, today now for you, folks. Um, Running back Kenneth Walker the third. Is transferring to Michigan State. Who is that? He plays for Wake Forest the last two years. He's gained 1,158 yards. He scored. 17 touchdowns. Uh, since our own Larry Sorensen, and we do expect Larry and Fred Human to be back with us from time to time on the program. But since Larry is the Wake Forest radio color commentator on football and baseball games, I called him this morning to ask about this kid. Larry says people in Winston-Salem are very surprised and very puzzled by what Kenneth Walker is doing. He says Walker is a great kid and a really good player. In fact, Larry said he can think of a number of occasions. This past year, where if it weren't for an ankle tackle, Walker would have broken 70 yard runs. He gave no indication he was unhappy at Wake Forest to Larry's knowledge. But Larry thinks he didn't like being part of a two back system. He he wanted to be the guy where he thinks in East Lansing, he's going to be able to do that. Yet, if you look at it, Mel Tucker so far, at least last year used a running back by committee approach. So we'll see. No but again, way. keep keep this name in mind, Kenneth Walker III, because he could be a big player for Michigan State. Danny, time for a mush softball for you to hit out of the park. Yeah, no we have major news this week. Your friend Al Avila has signed outfielder Robbie Grossman. Yeah, to I read that. A two-year, $10 million contract, said Al, and I quote, Robbie is a proven major league hitter and will bring consistent competitive at-bats to our lineup, end quote. And blah, blah, blah. Take it away. Isn't he a
2: 240 career hitter?
0: I got the numbers right here for you. He hit 241 yeah. with eight homers, 23 ribbies, and eight steals in uh, 2020. Well, He's 31 years old. He's not a kid. Yeah. 2019, he had a 240 batting average with six homers, 38 RBIs, and nine steals. Why did they need this guy? I don't know,
2: but here's the other thing. Well, they want to get the salary. They want to keep it down, down, and more down. But the bottom line is, why do they keep ordaining these people before they even play one inning up here? A 240 hitter is not the answer to your baseball team. You need talent. It's that simple. Talent. And I think you got a decent manager. I think he knows the game well, but boy, you guys got a Mr. Illich, I hope you listen to this show because that was his he, dad. Mr. Mr. Illich is dead. It's Chris. Well, carrying I'm talking now. to Mr. Illich jr. And mm. Mr. Illich jr. You need to go out and spend some money. Now, no, if you don't have the money, sell the team, but you got to do something to get people competitive again. Damn. Right. And we've been see seeing this you for,
0: play. you're right. Yeah. I mean, Tiger fans are pissed. They want us. Yes, they are. Now I know what some of you are thinking out there. Oh, I know what you're thinking that Al did this because he wanted to court the Jewish vote and get and get the Jewish no. people out. From Here's the thing. Southeast Michigan, as we know, has a very large Jewish community. Now we got Robbie Grossman. That's great. I got news for you, folks. I checked it out online. Robbie Grossman is not Jewish. Kind of how like did, Denny's kind of like Denny's Polish kid
2: how did this Jewish talking about?
0: play into this? I don't get it. That I'm saying, you know, oh, the Tigers got a Jewish player. They have a big Jewish community in Southeast Michigan. They're huge baseball fans. He's not Jewish. It's just like Denny's Polish kid in Chicago. But if he Mitch was Trubisky, he, is not Polish. If he was if he was Jewish, um everybody that's a very Jewish name, Robbie Grossman.
2: I, I understand that, but I mean I don't know how you make the jump. With having him be Jewish now, now what is he? He's English or what?
1: I I don't know. I don't know where that even comes into play here. But you know, just being, I'm being
0: facetious. But just having this facetious. A story from the
1: Detroit Tigers, Robbie Grossman is not a free agent that anybody had on anybody's radar. <laughs> no list. This, this no is list. not a guy. Listen, this guy has been in the league for for eight years already. Well, I've never heard of him, and I'm pretty yeah, I deep, yeah. deep into baseball. I. I know rosters inside and out from fantasy, and I can tell you right now, Robbie Grossman has never been on anybody's radar in fantasy, which means he's not going to produce any type of number whatsoever. I think what a lot of these GMs are doing this year for the year 2021 is they're signing who they can for the cheap. Why? Because they're already expecting to lose a ton of money because of yeah. COVID-19. Bobby has got...
0: almost admitted that. Yeah. yeah. Right, man. And so that's what's yeah. going
1: to happen here. This is a, a ridiculous story. It should have just been a blip. It should have been one that no one ever even realized happen. however it's you know getting out there quite a bit because this is one of the big splashes that the tigers have made so far which is another thing is what's going to happen with you know these big time free agents in baseball this year you got your your oh, Trevor oh. Bowers is he going to be getting a huge massive mm. deal he's a pitcher so he might but what about the DJ LeMay Hughes? What about these other guys that are supposed to be getting their career contract because they had such a great year last year or the year before, and they're finally a free agent?
2: Well, if anybody thinks they're going to get big money based upon COVID-19, they're in the wrong
1: world. Are you saying sport. no one's going to make a, that? Like, Nobody. Like, nobody's going to get a big monster contract right. this year? Not
0: going to happen. And speaking of Jewish and baseball, <laughs> here's a Jewish baseball player that I loved. Ian Kinsler, and you're looking at the feckless Detroit media. And I saw in one of the headlines in one of the Detroit papers this very morning, Ian Kinsler's name and Robbie Grossman's name in the same sentence because they're implying that Grossman's going to bring some of the same qualities. Ian Kinsler was a hell of a baseball player. He was player. a hell of a player. Don't even he, go there. A, just leave Ian star. Kinsler
2: out of this. He was a know? star. He was a serious, serious star. All
0: right. Here's another one for you, Denny and Brandon. The Red Sox just made history. They hired Bianca Smith. She's the first black woman to coach in the history of professional baseball. She's going to be a minor league coach within the Sox organization based at the club's player development facility down here in Florida. Fort Myers, in fact, going to work mainly with position players. Now, I read the reports on MLB.com and CNN. She's a highly educated and highly intelligent woman, listed some of her impressive educational accomplishments. she hit 300? The thing I want to know is they didn't say anything about what she knows about baseball. It didn't no. say she ever played baseball. It didn't even say she ever played serious woman softball. Surely I, she must have. I
2: wish somebody would tell me why they're pushing the women so hard. Is I mean,
0: this a new affirmative action, Denny? It's a maybe, new affirmative action, right?
2: Maybe this and this one's coming in the back door. So I don't get it. I, I all of a sudden they get on these ships that want to sail around the world and they want to be the captain of the ship. But I'm telling you, this is this is a much to do about nothing. And, uh, and and the ladies are great. They can if if they qualify for the job. Go up there like everybody else has got to be interviewed and what have you. Do the interview, and if they like you, they'll sign you. If they don't like you, don't take it personally.
0: <laughs> These truer words were never spoken with some of this stuff. Um, I want to mention here, Brandon, we got time to get this story in because it's an important story before uh, uh we have to say goodbye to our radio listeners down in Toledo. I got a story I about Al Ackerman. I really Ackerman too, impressed. Bro. No, I was really impressed The U.S. upset, heavily favored, and undefeated Canada 2-0 in Edmonton Tuesday, and they won the gold medal in the World Junior Hockey Championship. Played in a bubble, of course. So this kid from B.C., Florida Panthers on his right, Spencer Knight, stopped 34 shots, every shot he faced, to post the shutout. Team USA's first goal since 2017, not a long time. Now, Canada... Uh, Canada still has the best women players or best men's players in the world. It is still Canada's game, though. The American women have bypassed the Canadian women. But you remember what the late comedian Dick Gregory once said? If you got something good, you never have to force it on anybody because they're going to steal it from you. And that's (laughs) what's happened to Canada's game in the United States and in the world over. It's a great game. It really is. And to think that the United States has made this kind of progress uh, isn't surprising because, frankly, we just have a lot more people. The game's growing. I'm really
2: surprised over all of these years that Canadian football has been around that, in fact, they have not incorporated somehow, some way with the NFL almost like a triple a division of some kind. Well, but that's I,
0: essentially, yeah. Well, it's almost you know, what it is. right? Yeah. Yeah. And, anyway.
2: it's, and, and you know, it's exciting football. I mean, these guys are running all the time. You don't know who's on what team for God's sakes,
3: yeah. but uh,
2: uh, it's
0: pretty exciting, you, but you can't watch more than one or two games of it. it gets, what, would we, what would we do with our Brandon McAfee? He's telling me now it's time to thank all the people down in ah, Toledo for listening to us. We're going to get you, away, Toledo. but I want to remind you folks uh, in Toledo listening on the radio, Get on our website, NoFilterSportsPodcast.com, to hear the rest of the show. Billy Taylor, one of the great players in the history of Michigan football, is coming up. You've been listening to the No Filter Sports Podcast. You see this? They'll be advertising on the Wings helmets this year. Yeah. They've entered into a multi-year partnership with Michigan-based uh, mortgage company. We won't say their name, just that they're not our sponsor, David Hall Mortgage. So the brand's going to appear on the Wings Home, Away, and Practice Helmets during the season, which starts January 14th. I'm looking forward to that. And here comes the NHL. They're renaming its their divisions with sponsors. So the league announced Tuesday that its teams will now play in the Scotia NHL North Division, the Honda NHL West Division, and so uh-huh. on and so forth. Well, I mean, look, there's no revenue, right? Because right. fans can't come to games due to COVID 19. Right. The NHL is the bastard stepchild of American North American sports anyway. Sure. Sure. They've always struggled. They gonna they, they gotta come up with ways to make money. And the NHL says, or at least they told ESPN, that selling these naming rights to their divisions is viewed internally as only a one-year campaign. But for years, all chance. of these European soccer teams, instead of the names of the team. Prominently displayed, it's the sponsor. That's right. and The team is a crest. Can you imagine when you played, when you pitched for the Detroit Tigers, the Detroit Tigers emblem being up in the upper corner of your jersey, and pick out any sponsor you want across the front of the jersey instead.
2: You know the and the and the uh advertisers would pay a fortune for that. By the way, you know that, right? I'm sure. I would. mean, I mean they would go crazy if baseball and one day baseball
0: is going to open that up. I hope we're around to see it. And now you're, you know, now, now you're, you're, you're paying these players in baseball yeah. and in all the sports, the kind of money they're paying them, yeah. where's the money going to come from? Well, you're paying Mike Troll, What are you paying? $40 million a year?
2: Well, by the end, but I think, Bob, by the end of this year, I think we're going to have a lot of things straightened out. Got it. It better be straightened out, at least most of it. And if it's, and if it's straightened out, then you're going to start to see the revenue return, the the profits return. And that's what we got to wait on. We just got to wait for this stuff to clear. I think you're right.
0: I think the vaccines are coming out.
2: Yeah. I think I'm getting my vaccine next week. I got a call
0: yesterday. Hmm. Brandon says he's going to get one too, but he's too young right now. You, as a senior citizen, would be yes. right up at the top. And technically, I'm a senior citizen too. Yeah, you are. So I haven't decided yet what I'm going to do. So um, most that's of you know. By the that, way, that's
1: ridiculous. Just get the damn shot. Yeah,
0: I know. I know how you feel about yeah, that. And I'm, right. say,
1: and I'm not that's saying I right. won't.
0: I'm not saying I won't. Yeah, but saying that, I, don't
1: know. I mean, that, that's just a bad. Well, I don't message. know. It's the truth. a bad message to send. It's a bad message to send
2: you're supposed to be a leader you're supposed yeah, that's to that's a bad all message our listeners say. want to go get you
0: the shot uh, let's go get it people are concerned uh who say they are not going to get the shot that they are healthy individuals with no chance whatsoever to die of covid19 you don't and know they're that. You concerned don't know what of about, are, concerned about are possible possible <laughs> side effects right, down buddy. the road um, brandon can you tell us frankly that there will never be any side effects from these shots can you say that brandon or danny no, but Bob, I don't get it.
2: I mean, COVID nineteen's gonna be around no matter I what. Know. Trust happens.
1: your memes, Bob. I'll trust the scientists. Yeah,
0: well, I'm gonna yeah. trust the scientists I mean, too.
1: See, but but
2: but saying something like that kind of puts a a bad little smoke over. Little I'm re- I'm repeating
0: about. what people are saying. About this vaccine, the people who say they are not going to get the shot. This isn't my opinion. I'm repeating what they are saying. I am telling you what their concerns are. You don't like it. I can't help it. That's what they are saying. And those are their concerns. Well, we're not
2: worried about their concerns or our concerns. We're worried about their health. That's all. The only thing I've heard about the shot with few exceptions was you got a real sore arm for a couple of days.
0: But, hell, I've had a sore arm for 60 years. (laughs) So most of you know that um, every show we've ever done, every guest we've ever had, always up and available on our website, 24-7, 365, com. Detroit native Rick Goslin joined us very recently, Pro Football Hall of Fame NFL columnist, talking about who gets into the hall, how this works in Canton, who doesn't get into the hall, who should be in the hall, who shouldn't. Unbelievable. This week... We were informed that Rick, and he is really one of the prime movers and shakers behind the scenes in Canton. We are informed that Rick and his fellow voters have now narrowed the list of finalists for induction this year to just 15 candidates. And from this, a maximum of eight guys are going to be elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. This is a short list, not going to take long to get through this. So let's get into this. Brandon, you probably are too young to know some of these names, certainly to have ever seen them play. But Denny and I saw every one of them. So your gut feeling, boys, Hall of Famer, or not. Jared Allen, longtime Minnesota Vikings defensive end and yep. other teams. Yep. I'll buy that. Okay. And you by yeah. the way, if you want to, you can stipulate whether the guy should get on the first ballot or should have to wait, just okay. like baseball. All well, right. yeah,
1: that's gonna come into play when we get to the local guy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah.
0: Tiki Barber's identical twin brother, Ronde, the longtime Tampa Bay cornerback. Absolutely. Hall of Famer, Brandon.
1: He was pretty good, but I guess I would have to look at his numbers compared to others.
0: Yeah, I agree, yeah, I agree with you. I'm, I'm with Brandon on this, and I wouldn't say definitely. Tony Buscelli, offensive tackle. Uh, I don't remember what his number Tony, Tony Buscelli is one of the greatest offensive tackles who ever yeah. lived. He got hurt. So we get into the situation like Don Mattingly in baseball. What like, like did he play? And other players, did he play long enough? Yeah. Did he play yeah, something like that? Five or six years, right? What yeah. a great player he was. But then you look at Sandy Koufax. He didn't play very long yeah. either. Yeah. But he went yeah. out on top as opposed to Mattingly, right? That's right. All right. So I'm voting for Baselli if I had a vote just because he was so great and so dominating, like, you know, Anthony Munoz in Cincinnati was.
1: A guy that Packers. played 90 games, 90 games for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I,
0: yeah. I mean, That's so a tough great. one. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, you're right about that, Brandon. How about Leroy Butler, the Green Bay Packers safety? I don't I think, know. I think Brandon, what Brandon said earlier goes, I think you really got to crunch the numbers on him. Yeah, you interceptions do Interceptions and stuff. Yeah. Okay. I, I I covered Alan Fanica a little bit when he was in New York with a Just. What a great offensive guard he was. Was he a pro football hall of famer? And we talked about this with Rick. If you haven't heard that interview, go back and get it off our website. How do you judge these offensive linemen? You can only go by the stats. I to Well, they don't have any stats. That's the problem. They're offensive linemen. That's well, the problem. They got tackles. They got this. What are the that? stats?
2: Yeah. I mean, that's it. I mean, you can't. Yeah. And, to and
0: listen, me, Alan Fanico is a Hall thing, of
2: Fame player. Listen, the other thing is how many games did they win while that particular guy was oh, playing? That, that that's guy I, that goes in that, the bucket.
0: The bucket's got 10 things to it, and you got to be 10 out of 10 to get in. Yeah, I mean, judging by that, you could say, well, why should Ernie Banks be in the Hall of Fame? How many games did the Cubs win? you got to be careful when you yeah, start getting was, into was, that. All right, so I'm, I'm saying Fanica's a Hall of Famer. Tory Holt, wide receiver, yep. greatest show on turf and elsewhere. Yep, great player. I like them. Hall of
1: Famer or no? I think so. I, I, think,
0: I think so, so too. too. Yeah. Here we go. Calvin Johnson, he played for a team, did he try Lions, wasn't it? Calvin Johnson? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's in the Hall of Fame. He's
1: definitely in, the in Hall of Fame. I just don't, I'm not 100% sure if they're going to throw him in on the first ballot. And yeah, and right. Be, because yeah. of the Lions. I just, I don't know. Mm. If it was up to me, sure, because I it's saw a point. how unbelievable he could yes. be. How he could go yeah. against three, four different people who are covering him and still come down with the ball. He was fantastic, but yeah. like Barry, he got burnt out. He took off before he, you know, Technically, could be done. He 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 could have stayed and played for a couple more sure. years and really padded Absolutely. those stats. But no uh, if anything, I just feel like he needs. To, they need to fix that relationship with him. That's that should be one of their top priorities. That should be one of Spielman's priorities when he says he's. Uh, looking to change the culture i would think
0: yeah i think chris will do that i, I think chris will reach out like that um uh, calvin johnson definitely. Mean, you all agree on that he's a hall of fame player uh, here's a guy i'm surprised he isn't in the hall of fame he's a hall of famer to me what a great player and a great safety john lynch was oh, yeah you know he's been on the list to
2: go into the hall of fame like yeah. 10 or 12 times
0: yeah yeah. I, we need, we How we're can gonna, he
2: not get in the Hall of Fame?
0: Yeah, right, and we're going to dispense with Peyton. We're going to dispense with ex-Michigan uh star Charles Woodson, obviously a Hall of Famers. Greatest he,
2: player Michigan has ever produced, Charles Woodson.
0: It's a heavy statement. Yeah.
2: Yes, sir. I think he
0: is. No, I think he's, he's no, the no, greatest no, player. Michigan. Boy, Anthony Carter was really something to watch. Tom yes. Harmon was I mean, Denny, you saw Tom Harmon, of course, yeah, play sure. throughout his career. I never did. I'm way too young. I was yeah. I was kidding you, Danny. I don't remember Harmon. Right. Clay Matthews Jr. This is not the Clay Matthews people, you know, uh, think of when they think of the Green Bay Packers. This is uh, his dad. Uh, he was a great player. Yeah, uh, he's one of the player. finalists, Hall of Famer. I don't know. Two undersized linebackers. Great players, nonetheless. But are they Hall of Famers? Sam Mills with the Saints, the late Sam Mills, and Zach Thomas with the Dolphins, Hall of Famers? I don't, I'm not sure I about that. I think we got to look at the stats. We yeah, got Richard Statsy. Seymour would make it. Patriots defensive lineman, hell of a player, Hall of Famer. And Reggie Wayne, I definitely think. Maybe he's, well, he played with Peyton. That's why he caught all those touchdowns. I don't think so. <laughs> Reggie Wayne's a Hall of Famer. I think he's going in this year. Now, um, we're coming up with a mail back here shortly. Uh, fortunately, fortunately, and this is always good news, we don't have really much to talk about with necrology this week. But this is a very tough topic for you to talk about, Denny. Uh, In the wake of Sharon's passing, your beloved wife, Sandra Scully, the wife of Vin Scully, passed away Sunday night due to complications from a long bout with ALS. She was 76, six children, 21 grandchildren, six Mm. great-grandchildren, and now the concern is for Vin. Vin Scully is a national treasure. So often, you know, I mean, you you didn't have to be a Dodgers fan to listen to Vin Scully nationally. He's a national treasure arguably the greatest play-by-play man who ever lived. And and you guys know him. And so often when one part of a long-time married couple dies, the surviving member goes quickly too. I sure hope that's not the case with men. So I want to ask you this, and I want you to tell me if it's too personal, and I will respect that and we all will understand that. Do you want to talk about your life since Sharon left us? I'm not ready. Okay. Yeah, I respect that. You know, I somewhere down that. the road. Yep. It just can't be easy. It just, it's just, just gotta be the, it's gotta day. be the worst thing. It's gotta be the worst thing in the world.
2: The funniest Let's... thing, there is a funny thing to a little humor to this. It's, uh, when I'm in the house alone and I'm in the house alone a lot, um, that it's amazing. The movement in the house, the noises you hear and some of the noises are relatively loud and you begin to wonder. And I'm thinking And here at one night, about a week ago, I'm young, Sharon, get in here. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, did I really say that?
0: Oh, my goodness. uh,
2: Yeah. Yeah. I just. uh, But the (laughs) noise was so heavy. The noise was so heavy. I said, she's either here or she's going to put a shoe up my butt. So I don't know (laughs) what the issue was.
0: We want you guys to join the show because we're always interested in your opinions. We're coming to the mailbag now. And you can tweet us at mu 2 mu2denny or at BobPageSports. The first tweet's today. First one is from Wolfs22. That's what he goes by. He says, Bob, I just listened to the first show without Eli. You did a great job as host. To me, the show is best. When you take chances and challenge Denny and Brandon, when you give your no holds barred appraisal of the FLs, failures, Harbaugh, Pistons, etc." Tiger Mike 1975 said the first show without Eli was very smooth. Well done with just you and Denny as I expected. Tough couple months here with not a lot to talk about on the local scene, but I'm confident you guys are going to get us through. D Champ Green adds, good show again. I really enjoyed your interview with Steve Mott. Related, I love what Mel Tucker's doing so far at Michigan State. He talks endlessly about process and being relentless. I knew he was friends with Saban, but when Steve Mott mentioned Saban, always talking process, my ears perked up immediately. It was very good stuff. Website submissions for us, folks. At NoFilterSportsPodcast.com, you can email us at AskNoFilter at gmail.com. Original Detroit native from Fenton, actually. Tom Bell now lives in Chicago. He says it was with great relief that I opened the podcast on Monday, to find a new episode i was worried that based on eli's last show that i may have heard the last episode period of no filter sports podcast so glad you guys are continuing and i wish you all the best and hope for eli and for eli's return in the future thanks again and tom we want to thank you for making the small donation you said i made a small donation as much as i can send at this point we really appreciate that thanks tom Here's Kurt from my hometown of Gross Point, Michigan, who writes us. I was relieved to find your latest episode uploaded post-Eli. I took Eli's announcement hard, possibly because I've had similar feelings during this pandemic about what's going on in the world and so on and so forth. It really brought a smile to my face to find out that you and Denny have decided to continue your fine show. Best wishes to all you guys, especially Eli, moving forward. Listen to this. Glenn Smith, I'm not sure we've heard from him in the past. He writes and says, I listened to your discussion Monday. Remember when Brandon and I got into it? about student athletes opting out of bowl games. Although I see both sides of the issue, somehow coaches who miss bowl games because they found better deals for themselves elsewhere were not mentioned by you guys. As a Michigan State fan, I saw Nick Saban do this in 1999 when he left MSU for LSU before the Citrus Bowl. Many others have done the same since then. I'm not saying coaches leaving or in effect opting out of bowl games is wrong. Everyone has the right to financially better themselves. I'm just saying that all the blame shouldn't be put on players. Bob talked about loyalty. If you're going to use that argument, then you should mention coaches as well. It's a great point. Yeah, I mean. it is. Yeah.
1: I think there's a big difference between the coaches and the players. The coaches are established. The coaches have gigs. Those players are looking to advance their career and earn a living. Now, if you are a coach and you bail before a bowl game, I find that to be disgraceful because you're leading a team, you're leading these kids, these student athletes, and then you're bailing on them. When a player at least does it, it's because he's banking on himself. When a coach does it, I think it's a selfish act and I think it's bull.
0: Hear, hear, Brandon. Hear, hear. Brandon's doing a pretty good job with this uh, talk show stuff, isn't yeah, he? we yeah. thought
1: he was just a boy, you
0: know, just a producer, an engineer. Of course, we wouldn't have a show without him, to tell you the truth, but he's done a nice job filling in here on the air. John address this to me, addresses this to me. He says, Bob, I'm sorry that hit in the Clemson-Ohio State game had the defender lowering his helmet and striking a running quarterback with the crown of his helmet to his basically unprotected kidney. The rule's intent is to stop defenders from risking paralysis as well as internal injuries. These kids are taught heads up at point of contact. Shouldn't the rules reflect that? Because remember, I was the guy who said I thought it was ridiculous. It was just football. So I would ask you, John, do you think that Clemson star linebacker James Skalski deliberately tried to injure Justin Fields with that hit? Really? I mean, this football is so fast at this level. Injuries yes. happen every game. That's the problem with the game. There has to be intent to hurt somebody in my book or at least deliberately make a dangerous play where somebody could be hurt. Look, this looked like a textbook hard tackle to me and to yeah, a lot of us.
2: It did. And, and
0: Brandon, you know the other the other
2: thing, what I think they should do, uh, eventually it's going to get to something like this. These kids are so fast and so strong and, and able to move on, in a New York second I think what they're going to do is they're going to give them some weights to put on their on their ankles sooner or later and slow the game down a little bit. I mean, we got so many kids getting hurt and I don't know if that's certainly not the answer, but I mean, we got too many kids getting hurt. I mean, seriously hurt. And and look at the NFL. Every week besides COVID, we've got all these other injuries going on. So but I think a lot of that'll be cleaned up when we have a spring training this year with
0: football. I think. Brandon, as, was that was it a hard hit, or what did you think?
1: It was a hard hit for sure. it yeah. be I mean, just
0: know, a hard hit.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it was malicious. I, I really don't. I, I feel that, and this is the case with a lot of different sports. As these players get better, as time progresses, the thing that we're seeing the most that I personally feel is speed. You see it in the NHL. Yes. What's going on with the NHL? There's a huge difference between the way the game is played now, you know, if you look yep. 10, 15, 20 years ago and then oh my god, if you take a look at the 60s and 70s, you'd go crazy over how fast these NHL players are playing. And I think that the speed in which the NFL and the speed in which college football is going is is adding to these injuries. People are so fast sure. now Absolutely. and you're getting yeah. you're getting men who are 350 pounds who are flying and i mean yeah. they are running faster than i can run at a measly 185 or whatever i am and so i don't know i think as these uh as it progresses i think that the speed will have a lot to do with it and these yeah. these hits are happening so quick that, yeah, they
3: are you, know,
1: yeah. you can't
0: be out there on the field like says well you know should i Guys, like, I? I better get my head lower before I tackle this guy. I mean, that guy's passed you already fifty yards. If you start thinking like that out there, it's a—it's tough.
1: I think if you watching start thinking
0: hit, like that, you're going to get hurt.
1: I think. Yeah. I think rewatching in real time is the best way to kind of really figure out sure. whether it was, you know, a vicious hit or whether an ejection was justified. Because as soon as you start mm-hmm. slowing everything down in the replays that we have. Sure, you can pick a part and you can justify anything. But anything. if you watch it in real time and realize, geez, that happened so fast, the guy didn't mean to do it. Yeah.
0: And one other reminder, guys, you can always call us at 760-89-BALLS and leave a message or text us there. And now let's get to our special guest. January 7th, you know what that means? It means happy birthday today to Billy Taylor. And now that's Absolutely. Dr. William Taylor now you're supposed to be quiet damn it till I finish your intro I'm trying to do a nice job on you here happy birthday (laughs) first of all and we want to say this about his background Dr. Taylor was born in Hoxie Arkansas and he spent his early years growing up in Memphis until his father unfortunately passed away in 1954 his mom then moved the family to Barberton Ohio After graduating from high school, Billy Taylor attended the University of Michigan, as you all know, where he became one of the most accomplished and greatest football players in Michigan history. He was an All-Big Ten selection three times and a first-team All-Big Ten selection two times. He rushed for 1,297 yards in his senior season of 1971. He was selected the team MVP that year. And if you're of a certain age, who will ever forget the last two minutes of the 1971 michigan ohio state game michigan trailing seven to three when bo called billy taylor's number and bob Ufer was there at the microphone two minutes and 25
4: seconds remaining it's a cliffhanger here from ann arbor a barn burner call it what you will
2: why to the right is Bo. rather it's taylor deep and cypher close larry sippa under center and a balanced line Sipper rolls out to the right. Pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1.
4: Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. Michigan leads 9-7. to Oh, man, you has been broadcasting for 27 years. I have (laughs) never seen anything like this. And (laughs) believe me, (laughs) my eyes, you know, I'm I'm an old man. I've got amazing blue spots right in front of me right now.
0: Billy Taylor, welcome to the show. I bet that stills music (laughs) to your ears even after all these years.
4: It does, Bob. You know, thanks for having me on. And each time I, I hear that, I, I get the goosebumps, you know. It it was uh, the greatest individual moment uh, in my uh, collegiate career, you know, uh, and, the, you know, the greatest game. Uh, you know, that between that and my sophomore year where we beat the Buckeyes 24-12 and no one thought we could do it, and they were undefeated two years in a row. But uh, that's the greatest game as a team. But that, that play you just played, that was definitely my most exciting uh, play ever in my whole career of sports.
2: There's a million things we can talk to you about. I mean, I read your stuff last night, and I said, you got to be kidding. But the first thing I want to start with is very light hard. You carried the ball one time 14 times in a row.
4: Why? Bo, hey, you do what Bo wants you to do, you know. uh, Everything everything was clicking, it was working, and, uh, you know, we were all in great condition, so yeah, you just got to get the job done, you know.
2: Fourteen times, Billy. Fourteen.
4: I don't even recall what game that was, but, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, that's, you know, I'm not shocked by that stat.
0: Yeah. Well, that says that the kind of conservative play calling says a lot about what happened to you guys next after that great touchdown run. It was a good news, bad news story. Cause you go out to Pasadena to play Stanford at the Rose bowl. You're a 10 and a half point favorite and Don bunts and the Cardinal beat you 13 to 12. What happened in that game? You still think about it?
4: Uh, yeah, it's kind of like a throwing in the side, you know, we definitely, uh, should have won. Um, you know, they kicked a field goal at the end to beat us. But, hey, that's sports, you know. And, uh, you know, any anything can happen in college on any given Saturday and, and, and the NFL or any given Sunday. But now people play any days of the week. But, you know, uh, sometimes you come up on the short end.
0: Yeah, you do. You've had an amazing life. You've turned out to be one of life's great winners, and we're going to get into that. But right after that Rose Bowl game on January 4th, your mother died. You then played in a postseason game because Bo encouraged you to do so. Then O.J. Simpson, who was broadcasting that game, told you to call home. You called home. What did you find out?
4: Wow. wow. My
0: mom had died. And late that same summer, your girlfriend Valerie was stabbed to death. And it sent you into one of the most painful, awful cycles that any human being could imagine. Do you want to talk about that now? Because you've discussed it before in your book.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Well, the sequence of things was O.J. called me and I called home. And my mom had passed suddenly of a heart attack. That was on uh, uh, January 4th. But the next tragic event with the death was uh, my uncle shot and killed my aunt and then killed himself in June. And then in uh, September, the girl that I was dating was brutally stabbed to death at a roller rink outside of Detroit. So all in nine months, I lost, you know, the closest people in my life. And being, you know, 21 years old, uh, I just lost it. You know, I, I went into this deep depression and uh, just down, down, down. Nothing else mattered, at least. That was my thinking at that time. And uh, hanging out with the wrong people, wound up getting arrested and, uh, you know, been dealing with deep depression, uh, alcohol, and other drugs. And it was, uh, I was on a downward spiral for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, just grace to God, I was able to get back up.
2: How have you managed that 20 years? It, I mean, 20 years is a long time to come out of this. And <clears throat> I might add, I, uh, I just lost my wife recently and, uh, I've had, uh, it's a little bit better now, but boy, I've had some deep depression. I've been in some dark places the last couple of months.
4: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing, you know, and I say to people listening, you know, when, when life hits you and it will, yeah. uh, not it, uh, you know, reach out to someone. There are, there are always people around, usually someone you know, that yeah. are, are a reliable source that can help comfort you, give you encouragement, redirect you. And uh, don't do, and uh, make the mistake that I did. You know, but I was young, but I, I isolated myself and I tried to deal with the depression on my own and alcohol and, and drugs. It just, uh, you know, it does not help, you know, it temporarily numbs you, but, uh, once you come down, the situation is hasn't changed. And in most cases it's it's worse, you know, because, you sure. know, maybe you spent all your money or you've gotten in some other trouble or, uh, you know, it, it doesn't help, you know, and
3: yeah.
4: it, you'll, you'll eventually, you know, wind up, uh, in a worse position, you know, but I isolated myself. So I just encourage people not to do that. There's always someone willing to help you and advise you.
0: Well, you do that professionally. You've been the director of rehabilitation services for the Salvation Army of Southeast Michigan, working in Detroit and Pontiac, Michigan. You have completed a Ph.D., EDD, I should say, a doctorate from the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, had wow. several positions in Southern Nevada where you used to live before coming back to Detroit. It was a religious conversion that turned your life around, wasn't it, that saved your life?
4: Uh, absolutely. Um, I give my credit to... Uh, my high power, Jesus Christ is Lord, you know, but I uh, abandoned my faith and trust in God. Uh, I was brought up in church, you know, uh, real conservatively uh, around a lot of praying women because my dad died so early, but my mom, my aunt, my, my grandmother, everybody were, you know, church going, praying women. And that's how uh, I was brought up. But when life hit me, like, bam, 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 you know, one death after another. And I'm this yeah. young guy. Uh, I just couldn't handle it. And, and I made the wrong decision I turned to alcohol and other drugs instead of uh, talking with the minister or other family members that, you know, uh, would have been there for me. Um, it's it's very difficult. Uh, you, you can't win that battle on your own well you know.
2: I, with that battle it, did any of the battles start with uh any head injuries from playing in the nfl did, did anything related to that
4: i you know i don't know uh but i did suffer a concussion in in the rose bowl uh, my senior year And I was out of the game for about a quarter, I think. I don't even remember for sure. (laughs) They used the old ammonia capsules back in those days. And then I was back in and finished. And uh, then my rookie year in camp with the uh, Atlanta Falcons, I was uh, another head injury. I I was just, like, knocked out on the field. I was blindsided. And once again, I, I just woke up with ammonia capsules under my nose So I did have injuries, but um, you know I was not hospitalized uh, for them. I probably uh, should have been. And whether there was a connection to that and the substance abuse, I don't know. Um, You know, I I associate my getting into you know alcohol and other drugs with the depression and all the deaths in my family. But may may um, perhaps there was you know, injury related somewhat. I don't know.
0: Yeah, well, that, you've done so well with your life. Uh, you've got your own radio show. It's on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation Saturday morning, I believe, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. But you don't even talk about sports. It's like you, you've you transcended sports and you do a show that's based primarily on, on politics. Right. And it's primarily aimed at an African-American audience. Why don't you tell us uh, your thoughts on what happened in Washington, D.C. on Wednesday then?
4: Wow, and I'm going to talk about this next Saturday morning. Thanks for that shout out. Nine ten a.m. Superstation, six to eight a.m. Eastern Standard Time. But yeah, as I watch this, and and by the way, starting this week, my co-author Kevin Allen and I are starting to work on another book, and we're Good. going to cover how divided the country is. But watching this this uh, assault invasion of yeah the People's House or the White House. It should be called the People's House, but yes. uh, I, I was just shocked. You know, I could not believe that uh, that people would, well, you know, I can't say that I couldn't believe that people would be so bold, but I was shocked at how uh, it's easy, apparently easy it was for folks to kick in doors and knock out windows and just be walking through the White House with, with bombs, with pistols.
0: Uh, well, they didn't get that far, not to the White House, but I understand what you're saying. Oh, they yeah. were in the people's well, house, though. So. Yeah, they were in the Capitol, Capitol building.
4: They were walking Pretty crazy stuff. It. Yeah. And I You know, yeah. just keeping it real, and that's what I do on my show, I'll say this, and, and it's, it's my opinion, but I think I'm right. If those thousand people that were doing all the things they did yesterday were black and brown people, yep. I think I think there would have been they may be still be counting the bodies,
3: you yeah, know, because
4: it's right. it, yeah. just it's just reality. And I think anybody with a sense of fairness and awareness of how polarized the country is, how divided it is on racial lines, uh, largely due to I think the person in the Oval Office that will be gone soon uh, would, would, you know, realize and admit that. If those were black and brown people, it would have been a whole different scenario.
0: Yeah. I think we could all know-
4: agree with that.
0: You talk about black and brown people. You were one of a very small group of black and brown people who played football in Michigan. Everybody who follows the history of the program knows about the den of the Mellow Men with you, with Butch Carpenter, <laughs> Glenn Doughty, Mike Taylor, Mike Oldham, Reggie McKenzie, a former guest on this show, and Tom Darden. Those must have been heady times for you guys. Tell us what that was like for you.
4: Wow. Yeah, the the Mellow Men we came in together as freshmen uh, in '68, and we were the largest group of black uh, football players to come at one time. I can probably just say black athletes to come to Michigan at one time on scholarship uh, and to play Michigan football. So, uh, and we bought a, uh, we rented a house, and we called it the Den of the Mellow Man. And we got a lot of play in Sports Illustrated across the country. And all of us played and all of us started, you know, at Michigan. So we did, you know, make, make an impact. Um, but uh, it was one of the greatest experiences of my life, you know, because the, the friendship and the camaraderie between us, it still exists today. And we've lost Butch Carpenter, um, you know, back in the late 70s. But the other mellow men, you know, we're around the country, but we're still here, you know. And it was an amazing uh, uh,
3: adventure.
4: And our relationship was just, uh, we became brothers, you know. And there was a saying in the 60s, like, mellow man, what's up, yeah. mellow man? You know, there's street talk. So someone in the house came up with the idea that we should identify ourselves as the mellow men you know, of Michigan. And, uh, you know, that's, that's pretty much the story. And it, it's really funny because um, we all lived in the dormitory our freshman year, and we decided after the freshman season that we would want to live together. And uh, But, of course, nobody thought Bo Schimbeckler would allow that. So the most uh, studious of the group, uh, uh, you know, the most conservative of the group, Two men were Mike Olderman and Butch Carpenter, and and so we um, um, we sent them to to um, to to Don Canham to ask for our scholarship money so we could rent this house. And uh, and and Mr. Canham asked us or asked Mike and Butch uh, Carpenter did both know about it, and we told uh I guess it was just a little white lie or an outright lie, and they said yes. <laughs> so we got the money, and we got the house. And Bo didn't know anything about it because I'm pretty sure he would not have allowed it. But during the our sophomore year, during the season, uh, at practice, uh, one of you know one of the one of my roommates said, "Abt, hey, I see you back at the house after practice at the den," you know. And Bo overheard it. He said, "What? What are you talking about?" Ooh. You know, and uh, and we say, oh, I'm nothing, coach. You know, we just, uh, you know, have a meeting, do some studying or something like that. But he found out about it. But by then, we had proven ourselves as students, sure. as athletes, and as football players. And, and we were a big part of the team. And we are well, you're doing both... well. You know, you're both... as long as you guys don't get in trouble, keep your grades up, you can stay. Let me you're ask both you from this Barberton,
0: about... Ohio. Did Billy did you did you guys know each other? You and Bo when he cause you were at Michigan before he was there. He gets the job. You're both from the same hometown.
4: I got a funny story. But yeah, well, I didn't really know him, but what I knew about him I did not like. You know, we both were <laughs> from Barberton and went to the same high school, although he went about a hundred years before I did. But <laughs> on a <the> recruitment, <laughs> I told him that and he was like, Taylor, like he's gonna choke me. But on a recruiting trip, Tom Darden and I were down in Miami of Ohio, and Bo Schembechler is the head coach there. And uh, we didn't like him. He got us up at, at 6 a.m., had us running sprints and, and a 100-yard dash for time, had us lifting weights, uh, and they charted it, and and had us uh, you know playing a full-court basketball game with his players and squeezing your arm you're soft how did you run those touchdowns and blah blah you know we kept we kept saying each other there's no way in the hell we're gonna excuse my language we're gonna play for this man we can't (laughs) wait till the weekend was be would be over so that was my first encounter with Bo I knew of him growing up but I had never um, met him you know Uh, actually once when I was like about eight or nine we were uh, my mom and I were downtown, and people were gathered around him. And uh, I was asking, uh, you know, my mom, who was that? And she didn't know. And uh, I found out later it was Bo Schimbeckler. Well, I was like, to me, as a little black kid. I said, nothing but another white What What's the big deal, you know? So <laughs> we didn't meet at that point. It was later during recruiting. And uh, so we left there, and we never – Bo would call, and um, I'd tell my mom, She says, it's a Bo Shimbecky. She couldn't pronounce his name properly. I said, tell him I'm not home, Ma. And he had coaches called, and I was like, tell him I'm not here. I didn't even want to talk to him. But fast-forwarding, went to Michigan and went home for Christmas break. It was uh, December of 68, um, and um, picked up the front page of the Akron Beacon Journal, and it had bold print. Bo Schembeckler, name, head coach, University of Michigan. I almost died, man. I fell <laughs> off the boat. <laughs> so,
3: well,
0: what was the, so? What was the first <laughs> team meeting like?
4: Well, it it was crazy, you know, because uh, we came back for winter conditioning. I'm glad you asked that question because uh, we we had like two or three universal gyms. the The field house now is like uh, if you were in with the uh, the Patriots uh, locker room or something, but we had these uh, limited number of workout, uh, equipment and, uh, Bo, I would leave us one station and move to another one. Bo was standing there. He was staring, wouldn't say a word. And that went on for about three or four days. Every time I look around, he was like, seemed to me, he was looking at me, but he never said anything. And finally about a week into conditioning, Uh, I set some weights down, and I stood up. He was right in my face. Taylor, I want to see you in my office after conditioning. And I was like, oh, Lord. So I told Tom. He ran over Tom Darden. We both talked about him and told everybody when we were recruits, don't go there. He's a crazy man. He's nuts. You don't want (laughs) to play in Miami of Ohio. So I thought I'm going to get kicked off the team. I went over to his office. Uh, Lynn cook was his assistant. Uh, and she said, uh, Bo Bill Taylor is here. Tell him to come in. So I went into the office, closed the door. I closed the door. And I was like, Lord, this is it. You know? So he's at his desk. He's writing something with his head down. And finally would seem like five minutes, but for real, a minute or two, he says, have a seat. And he pointed to a chair right in front of his desk. So I, uh, sat down and I'm nervous and I said I know he's writing my papers or whatever I'm I'm off the team and finally he sat up in his chair and he's just stared at me for like a minute not saying a word and then he put his hands behind his head he says you thought you got rid of me didn't you
3: and
4: I said, <laughs> I, said Go. I said no I said we're both from Barbados. we're going to show him how to play football up here in Michigan but uh, <laughs>
2: did the two of you wind up being friends? I hope.
4: Oh, absolutely! I love Bo. He became like a like a dad, like a you know a coach, yeah. a best friend. But initially, we didn't like. Matter of fact, the whole team, uh, our you know in in uh, in spring ball, nobody liked Bo because how hard, you know he he worked us, you know. And
3: yeah. in yeah. that
4: same meeting, um, uh, once we got into spring ball. He called me in again, and he said, Taylor, I want you to know I am going to be tougher on you than I am the rest of the guys. And I, I tell you, Bob, he was killing us. We had 15, 20 guys that quit. They couldn't take the, wow. the Ooh, workout. And and he's telling, he's telling me he's going to be harder on me than the rest of the people. And I, team, and I was looking at him. He said, you want to know why? And I'm like, here we go again. He's going to bring up this recruiting thing. <laughs> I know. He said, and so I says, yeah, coach, I want to know why. He says, because you're from Barberton, and I don't (laughs) want anybody to think I'm playing favorites. So I was like, this man is still nuts. He's out of his mind, you know, because we were, I mean, we drug ourselves off the field after his workouts and practices, and this whole slogan with those who stay will be champions uh, originated in the spring of uh 69 you know before the season because people were leaving at such a, a fast rate that we came back to old Yotes' field house and he had they had some one of the coaches on a big plank had wrote those who stay will be champions and i remember saying to dan deardor uh, or, or, or or those who stay will be champions or dead, you know. And after that, <laughs> everybody started making jokes. One one of my teammates said, "Those who stay will be champions or leave and become doctors and lawyers," you know. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, of course, everybody, uh, uh, you know, came to Bo and and we bought into his philosophy, the hard work. You know, to never quit, never give up attitude. To, you know, just nose to nose football, and and we won. He said, "Those who stay will be champions," and and he showed us that. And we, you know, won two Big Ten championships. In fact, uh, my three years freshman couldn't play. i dating myself when I came in '68, but in '69, '70, '71, we only lost three regular season games. Two as a sophomore, one as a junior, and you covered the touchdown Billy Taylor run with Bob Buford. We were 11-0 my senior year. And now, I don't know what's happening to my team. I'm still true blue, but we got to get it together, you know. Uh, Well, you you knew we were going to come to that.
0: You Uh, knew we were going to come to that. You talk with your teammates about what's been going on at Michigan with Jim Harbaugh. As we record this, no decision's been made yet. Do you and your teammates, do you want Harbaugh out or do you want him to come back?
4: Uh, Ah, you know, I love Jim and uh, and I believe he should be able to come back, you know, but that's not going to be my decision. Of course, you know, the athletic department, um, maybe the president involved, they'll decide on that, but uh, I know he knows the game. I know he's true blue Michigan guy, and I know he has all of this experience, and and he was a heck of a player at Michigan himself. Yeah. So uh, we it's puzzling why we haven't done better. Uh, the whole you know Michigan faithful, we're all uh, when when we uh, I'm one of the players that called Jim when he was still out in San Francisco. Please come back, turn the program around. That's what the Michigan faithful has been waiting for. Sure. And it hasn't happened. And uh, we, we, I was honored on the field in 2011, but that was the last time that we beat uh, Ohio State. And at Michigan, hey, you got to beat Ohio State, and Michigan yeah. State more than what beat us or beat Michigan in order to keep your job, you know. And uh, we haven't, we haven't won that game against the Buckeyes since 2011. And it's very disheartening, and I'm telling you, especially for me and uh, all former players and all the Michigan fans, but particularly when you've run through that hell, through that tunnel and in that winged helmet, and and you're taking on your opponents and uh, Ohio State or whoever, you know, as both say, the most important game on the schedule is the one you're running out of the tunnel to play today, right. and and but. Particularly, there's a huge emphasis on our arch rival, Ohio State and Michigan State, and we haven't been getting the job done. So uh, yeah. I'm hoping that this year uh, Jim is going to get it turned around. I got some ideas on how to do it, but, you know, I'm not the coach.
0: Tell everybody <laughs> listening what those ideas are.
4: you don't put me on the hot seat here. But anyway, uh, you know, I, I want to have that conversation with some of the coaches. But, you know, I don't want to be out of place, you know, out of line by doing it. But personally, I think that Michigan needs to go to Alabama, to Mississippi, to Georgia, to Tennessee, uh, to Florida, and, uh, you know, maybe even Texas, and get some of these big brothers that you see playing at Clemson and Alabama and Michigan State. You know, these big brothers, you know, they're eating, uh, you know, waffles and cornbread and drinking goat milk or something. I don't know. But bring them (laughs) to Michigan and teach them, you know, uh, by position, you know, uh, how to block, how to tackle. But apparently they already know how to do it. I say that because it doesn't matter if you're black or white to me. But if you look at Clemson and you look at Alabama, you look at LSU – You look at Mississippi State, you know, Georgia, Tennessee, those southern schools, they got some horses, man. They got some mules, you know, they got some people that are like 6'5, you know, 3'40, and they're running like a, you know, 4'5, 4'6 on offense and defensive line, you know, and, uh, you know, there's some pretty great backs too, but I think we do need to recruit more in those specific states that i just mentioned because you look at the top three or four teams in the country each year and you you look at their lineup you know and you look at where they're from so i think we need to do that
2: that would be a good idea billy we want to thank you for coming on the show you've been great today we want to do this again sometime and uh you were everything i was told about you between zonka you played with lawrence taylor and some of those guys and uh, unbelievable some of the cast of characters that you played with congratulations
4: right i'd like to give some tribute to uh jim Mandich and his family if anybody sure. has listening. he's been gone a few years but a great friend and teammate and then you know the great Floyd little who I had one game against Denver uh, when he was the, the running back, and he passed us a week or two ago. Yeah. But uh, I want to say thank you for having me on the show. I'll be happy to come back anytime. And uh, let's go, Blue. I'm out.
2: Billy, thank you very much. Have a great weekend.
4: You too, my thanks,
2: brother. Thanks, Billy.
0: Bye-bye. Uh, Dr. Soon. Taylor, thanks for joining us. We'll Bobby, see you next week. I'm going to miss you. Well, you can call me on the phone anytime <laughs> you want. <ever. laughs>
3: you <laughs>